The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Most people are sold on the idea that science works. The science is settled, so they say. How many times in history so-called scientists have been wrong? For decades, cigarettes were promoted and even endorsed by doctors. You couldn't watch a TV program without the actors or news anchor smoking. Doctors smoked during commercials. Everyone believed smoking was healthy. We now know what was settled science was wrong. What about the millions of people who believe in the settled science of vaccination? Autism has skyrocketed, and there is a concerted effort to hide the correlation between vaccines and autism rates. After 1985, children would get three shots. Now, they get 72 shots. The same people who believe the narrative are the same who say there is no censorship and a Google search is impartial. Did you know there is a national adult vaccination plan in the works? Stay with us. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, MMS, CBD pure hemp oil, Divinia water, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Tonight's special guest is a friend of this program. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny is a board-certified osteopathic medical doctor from Cleveland, Ohio. She's the founder of Tenpenny Integrative Medical Center, a clinic that specializes in holistic health and healing, including breast thermography, allergy relief, and bioidentical hormones. The clinic has seen patients from all 50 states and more than 17 countries. Tenpenny is an internationally known expert on the problems associated with vaccines. Students from all over the world have become confident parents and articulate activists through her online educational courses. She's the author of several books and a contributor to many more. She has done hundreds of TV and radio interviews as the voice for the health of freedom. Dr. Tenpenny is an outspoken advocate for free choice in healthcare including the right to refuse vaccination. She has invested nearly 20 years and more than 40,000 hours documenting and exposing the problems associated with vaccines. Her websites are drtenpenny.com, that's drtenpenny.com, and also courses for mastery, that's number four, mastery.com. She joins us directly from Cleveland, Ohio. Hello, Dr. Tenpenny, and welcome back after 10 years. How are you? My goodness, how time flies. Thank you so much for inviting me back, and it's good to hear you again. My pleasure. Well, let's begin with the elephant in the room, COVID-19, or some call it COVID-1984. Tell us what you (laughs) thought when you heard a deadly virus was coming to America and the rest of the world. Let's begin with that. 
Well, back in March, and it was like the end of February, first part of March, when I started seeing what was happening here and what they were announcing, of course, like most people, the first three weeks, everyone was a little bit disconcerting because I'd made a statement a couple of times. It's like, well, are they trying to blame this on the virus? And is it really some sort of a biochemical attack? Is it really, you know, sarin gas? Is it really something else that's happening and they're trying to blame it on a virus? Sort of like look to the left, look to the left when the real action was happening by looking to the right. So the first three weeks was, you know, like I think that uh, the types of precautions that we took and the types of things we were doing seemed to make a lot of sense because we just didn't know. By about the middle part of March, I said, you know, this is really crazy. Um, this is a virus that, um, that, that they're shutting down the entire global economy about. This is really, really about power control and manipulation. And when they crunched these numbers about the virus and how many people were sick and how many people, were, how many people died, they're all going to say, well, gosh, this was no, worse, no different than a bad flu season. And when I first started saying that the first part of March, I kind of took a lot of heat for that because everybody disagreed with me. Oh, they needed ventilators and everybody running around in hazmat suits and all of that stuff. And so I, I kind of sat back and took a look. And then I wrote my first article that is on my, my website, Baxter.com. V is in victory, A-X-X-T-E-R.com. And it was same playbook, different virus. So I took a longitudinal look back to SARS in, in 2002 and then bird flu in 2005 and then H1N1 swine flu in 2009. And I said, they're doing the same sort of hysterical pandemic cry wolf, cry wolf this time, only they are doing it now globally and they're tying the economic slamming to the floor, the entire world's economic system. So this has always been, in my opinion, about a a virus that we're still learning some things about. Yes, I do believe the virus exists, but I think that the pandemic has been totally fabricated. When you say global economy, do you think it was really the global economy or was it mainly the United States to bring down the Trump administration? Well, I do really believe it was a global economy. I have a lot of friends that live in Europe and a lot of friends that live in Australia. And when you look at the entire entire industries globally that have been decimated, you look at the airline industry, the hotel industry, the cruise industry, um, restaurants, restaurateurs, the wine industry. I mean, all of those things, we live in a global, a global matrix of economy these days. It wasn't just about the United States. I mean, if they had done things and set things up to just decimate the U.S. economy, then I could agree with what you just said. Was this really about Trump? Was this really about destroying the sizzling economy that he had built in three years with the lowest unemployment rate for blacks, Hispanics, and women? and bringing factories back and reopening America and getting people to have confidence enough again to start businesses. If it had just affected the United States, I would agree with that statement that this was really political and about Trump and how he was a you know political outsider from the beginning, disrupting the, the um, deep state's plans. But because this was globally uh, done and millions of people worldwide that are never going to be back into work, I mean, people who... I think about, you know, this was the first time in 16 years that I did not go to Cabo San Lucas in April for a month. First time in 16 years. And I think about that entire area down there that I've watched it grow since 2004 and all the hotels and timeshares and casinos and all of those things that all that employed thousands of Mexican people that now they're all out of work and they'd be, be, be out of work forever. 
I mean, people are not, you know, when they open up travel again, who's going to want to travel like that? And who's want to do this social distancing mask nonsense that they set up all over the world? It wasn't just in the United States. So this was a global takedown. This wasn't just about the U.S. I remember back in January, February, I thought, could this have been orchestrated? And I said, if China goes back to work in March, that means that in February, that's when the Chinese New Year happens, January or February. But if they go back to work 100% and all those manufacturing plants go back online 100%, something tells me that this could have been orchestrated. And lo and behold, they all went back to work 100% in March. What's your take on that? Um, well, and they're continuing to. I mean, you know, you order things from Amazon and the boxes come and the, stu the stuff that comes in from Amazon says right. made in China. So, you know, I mean, it's, they, they, it hasn't been shut down. Um, but, you know, the scary part to me is that if people, people, you know, what's happening here in the U.S. with the masks, with the social distancing, with the um, specter of mandatory vaccination, whether they force you to get vaccinated or they make your life so incredibly miserable that it's very difficult to live outside of that matrix. And, um, you know, with that, so, you know, and people are saying, you know, they are saying, where can I go? I mean, if this, and seeing the socialist movement and the burning down in, in the, of our cities and all of the things that's happening with the vandalism and the chaos and, you know, people are saying to me all the time, you know, where, where can I go? Well, because they've done this global lockdown, I mean, you travel to even countries like the Seychelles, which is a tiny little island nation in the Indian Ocean. You have to be COVID tested 24 hours before you arrive. You have to wear a mask. You have to agree to put a, a contact tracing app on your phone from the time you get there to a very expensive vacation in the middle of the Indian Ocean, which to me just represents pretty much what it's like all over the world. Where are you going to go? Where can you start a business? Where can you become employed? Where can you have some sort of freedom to just go into a restaurant and eat? Who's going to tolerate forever being on an airplane for long distance haul flights and having to wear a mask the entire time? I called United Airlines the other day because I was trying, that's, I've got almost 2 million miles with United and I've been a platinum member with them for 27 years with Continental United, which means that I'm a, I'm a heavy flyer. I mean, I fly between 75 and 100,000 miles a year for more than 25 years and ask them what their rules were on medical exemptions and having, having walked up the ladder uh, a bit and kind of pulling rank with them a little bit. Uh, what I found out was that there are no medical exemptions and there are no exceptions except for three-year-old children or under the, and only when they're eating. Now, Seriously, people. I mean, the death rate from this from this virus is negligible. We found that this whole concept of asymptomatic carriers it means a healthy person because we all carry around a trillion viruses and bacteria on us every single day. They there have been at least four studies that I'm aware of now that show that asymptomatic people who test positive, whatever the heck that means, to test positive uh, for the little tracings and little dribblings of this virus in their system, if you don't have a fever and a cough, you're not spreading anything. And And yet this virus is supposed to be the most deadly virus ever in the planet. We have to wear a mask because we might spread it to somebody. But yet if they're going to test you, they have to take a six-inch skewer and stab the back of your throat. If it was so deadly that we have to wear masks, why can't we just kind of like blow on a Q-tip and that be good enough? And, and so all of this stuff that they're doing is power, control, and manipulation. And the saddest and the scariest part of all of it to me is how everybody has just rolled over. It just rolled over. 
I mean, I was at the, I was at the grocery store the other day and I will not wear a mask. I do have a medical exemption, but even if I didn't, I wouldn't on principle. And, um, and I was the only person, it's a big store. I was the only person in the entire store that didn't have on a mask. I was having a conversation with my wife the other day, seriously. And I said, we were, we're privy privileged to have been traveling throughout our lives. You know, I travel the world and now I believe I'm not getting this mark of the beast. And if that means I'm not going to travel, probably I won't. I'm looking right now. We have a second home in Mexico. But other than that, I don't see ourselves being on an intercontinental flight now from here to Europe, eight, 10 hours with depletion of my oxygen and seeing children around me, you know, asphyxiating. What do you think? Yep. I agree. And I agree with what, um, you know, Dr. Judy Mikovits says when she said, I'm not going to fly. I'm not going to sit around and watch all of these people on airplanes in mass because I refuse to participate in assisted suicide. Assisted and, and, suicide. And, and, you know, assisted suicide, right? Watching these people get sicker and sicker, their oxygen levels go, their CO2 levels go up. They're changing the, the, the flora inside of their mouth with the change of the pH. Right. They're getting this thing called mask mouth. They're getting mask dermatitis. They're not thinking clearly. I mean, when I wear, that's where I got a medical exemption. When I wear a mask for more than 10 minutes, I go into atrial fib. And they're not really, will, and, and I don't have it other than that. It's, it's just that the oxygen concentration drops enough and the CO2 goes up enough that it, over a 10 to 15 me- period of time, I don't feel well and I have an event. And so I'm not the only one. And so when Judy, and I agree with you, I've, I've done the same as you. I mean, when I was 29 years old, I made a kind of a declaration to the universe that I wanted to see a hundred countries before I died. I'm at 72. And I think that might be, unless something drastically changes between now and when I die, I think that may be where I'm going to cap off because I, there's no way. I mean, I can't, I refuse to wear a mask ever, and I'm not going to wear a mask even from, every day I get invitations to speak at conferences. Just this week, it was um, New Hampshire, Denver, Utah, Ireland, um, England, and Germany. And I'd turn them all down because I wasn't going to fly in any of them. What happens when you wear a mask for a prolonged amount of, say on a continental flight, eight, 10 hours, what happens to your body pH? Doesn't your immune system react to that? And perhaps even cancer grows on a, on a acidic blood pH? Yes, and that's what there was a group of, of uh, pathologists out of Bulgaria that said that, that they, it, they anticipate seeing the cancer rate go up by as much as 200%. Um, in the next few years, because people that have carcinoma in situ, which is a tiny little cancer cell, because we grow cancer cells all the time, all day long, and our immune system, ta- immune system takes care of it. And so if you've got what's called carcinoma in situ, which is a very early stage cancer that the vast majority of it, your immune system is going to shut down or you're going to go to your grave dying of something else other than cancer. When suddenly you change the oxygen tension, because cancer cells thrive on sugar and they thrive in low oxygenation environments. So when you lower the oxygen levels and you increase the carbon dioxide levels, the CO2 levels, when you increase the CO2 levels, you become acidic and cancer cells also thrive in an acidic environment. So now you've got the perfect storm, right? You've got low oxygen levels, 
increase carbon increase carbon dioxide levels which change the oxygen tension and the pH and you've got people who are sitting around not exercising or they go out and exercise with a silly mask on and they they're increasing their glucose requirements you know and are they're eating more they're eating out of boredom or they're eating out of frustration or anger or sadness and they're just feeding those cancer cells and so I do believe that we're going to see a, a lot of increased pathology. The other area where we're going to see increased pathology is all the people who do need to be seeing their doctors or their naturopaths or their chiropractors or their people who are their healthcare providers for their, uh, their diabetes control, for problems with their blood pressure, for types of chest pain they're having. I've had patients that have told me that they had some issues with some chest pain, but they would rather die of a heart attack than go to the hospital and get stuck through that hospital system of testing and quarantine and all that other stuff. I mean, those are big statements. And if I'm hearing it on a, a small scale, you just, just take that out across 300 people, 300 million people in this country. How many people are not seeking wound care, who are not getting knee replacements or hip replacements or other types of things, like cataracts, their hearing fixed, different types of health care and medical care that they should be getting because they're either A, they refuse to go through the testing, or and B, they're, refu they're being refused medical care because they're refusing to be tested or to wear a mask. What happens to a child's development if they have to wear a mask for a prolonged amount of time? Going back to school and being required to, to wear a mask for, say, seven hours. I think that we're going to see horrific um, anxiety. I think we'll see post-traumatic stress. I think that so many kids have asthma and allergies these days because of being so highly vaccinated. I mean, kids get 35 vaccines by the time they start kindergarten these days if they're fully vaccinated and loaded with aluminum and all the other things in vaccines. And they are all on, so many of them are on inhalers and asthma things and seizure disorders. Now, when you do the same thing that we just talked about, lowering oxygen, increasing CO2, and making them be afraid. I mean, the only way that you're going to get a five-year-old to keep a mask on is to put the fear of God in them. If you take this off, not only will you be punished, but you just might catch that virus and die. Now imagine what that does to a young developing brain. And they start learning to live with that. Part of becoming um, a human is is social interaction. It's test. It's touching. It's it's hugging. It's the little boy that runs over and pulls the little girl's pigtail. I mean, it's all part of human interaction is touching. So this contact tracing or, or this uh, social engineering of this of the uh, of the social distancing is going to be horribly detrimental on children. The younger the child is, I mean, they they're not being able to see their teacher's face, so they don't know if the teacher is smiling at them, approving of the work they're doing, or if the teacher's, you know, frowning at them. And then you've got this mask on that you got to muffle things that you can't really clear, hear clearly. I mean, the whole thing is a disaster. And then when you see really, really, you see infants, you see mothers wearing masks around infants. In infant brain development, from the time a baby pops out of the, pops out of the womb, from the time they're born till about four months of age, how they learn to recognize humanity is through their mother's face. They're that close with their breastfeeding or nursing or they're close to their mother. It's really 90% of their brain development is about their mother's face. And if they can't see their mother's face, all they're seeing is a mask. They're going to, they're going to 
miss this window of opportunity of brain development about bonding with humanity. And I bounced that off of a couple of pediatricians who, who have actually said that, um, maybe a little different words, but said it in the same way. They said it's not till about four months of age that a child starts to realize there is something else in the universe for them to look at besides their mother's face. And that's when they start playing with their fingers and start playing with toys, little dangly uh, toys and things like that. And in br- early childhood brain development, from the time they're born. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.